So there is a rabbi who is also a doctor of philosophy and he's giving his weekly sermon and he's introduced and now rabbi, doctor, so-and-so will deliver his weekly sermon. Saturday night, Matzai Shabbat comes. Is that a joke, Rabbi? Yeah. Okay. And this woman calls up and she says, Rabbi, I have a headache. Can you please help me? She, the rabbi says, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not a physician. I'm just a doctor of philosophy. Okay, fine. So she calls up the next week again, and she says, Rabbi, this time I have a stomachache. Can you please help me? And Rabbi says, sorry, I'm a doctor of philosophy. I'm not a physician. She calls up the next week, Rabbi. And she, the Rabbi already loses his patience. He said, I told you, I'm a doctor of philosophy, not a physician. Why do you keep on calling so she says, philosophy, what kind of disease is that? So there is something about philosophizing and asking too many questions that could sometimes paralyze you from moving further on in life. And that's what the inner meaning of amolek is. Amolek is numerical equivalent to suffix to doubt. And tonight we're going to explore a little bit the meaning of a molek and how to deal with him, how to identify a molek and how to... What's a molek? A molek, we're going to get there, don't worry. I'll, I'll, you're going to know everything about a molek by the time, time we finish tonight. Okay, so before we get into a molek, let, let, let's, let's just talk, let's talk a, little bit, a little bit about who we are before we figure out who a molek is. There's something unusual about the Jewish people. It, it, there aren't, there's no other nation or culture that says positive, it always tries to find the good in everything, like the Jewish people. There's, no matter what has happened to us, no matter what kind of calamities have happened to us, no kind, what kind of persecution has happened to us, we always find that the Jewish people get up the next morning, and they continue, and they move on, and they look positively at the nations that have previously tortured them, and, 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 and attacked them, and killed them, and the Jewish people wake up the next day, and they're like, okay, let's start over again. Except for one nation. There's one nation the Torah tells us, Torah seems to act in a way very uncharacteristic of Torah, very different than the way you would expect Torah. It sounds like it's not Torah. And Torah says, don't forget this nation, always remember him, take vengeance against him, and that is a nation of Amalek. Oh, that would be Iran. And the question is, why does our patience stop when it comes to Amalek? Well, how come when it comes to Amalek, we tell him we throw him down the steps, we don't give him a chance? How come we don't try to, uh, try to figure, figure out a way to deal with Amalek and, and move on? I mean, things have happened in the past, as we shall see with other nations too, yet we move on. And with Amalek, we don't move on. And with Amalek, we are told to never forget what he did to us, to always hold on to the hatred. Why hold on to the hatred? What does hatred do? What's the point? So there's something unique about our generation. Our generation is very wishy-washy. We have a hard time sticking to decisions. Instead of making a decision and moving on, our generation is always second-guessing ourselves, always not sure. A couple goes out on a date and they decide to get married, and what do they do the next day? Next day they don't, oh, what are we gonna do? Where should we live? Let's prepare for our wedding. The next day is, did I just do that? Am I really sure that I want to get married to this guy? Am I really sure I want to get married to this girl? The next day is with questions. The next day is with doubts. So, 
we shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't always be living in a wishy-washy way and always backwards and back and forth. Make a decision and stick with it. And that's the Torah is telling us, remember Amalek. Amalek is numerically equivalent to doubt, as I mentioned. In Breslov, they have this statement of Amnachman. Amnachman says, it's better to be a fool who believes everything than an intellectual who believes nothing. Better to be foolish and believe everything, and you, you take a risk. Take a risk. I believe something, and it might not be true. At least you took a risk, you believe something, but then to be intellectual and analyze and analyze and analyze and not, not believe in anything. You're allowed to be happy, allowed to rejoice, allowed to believe in something, you're allowed to let yourself go. And uh, the question is like this. What's unique about a Malik and how do we deal with him? Let's go back historically to understand exactly when a Malik attacked us and how come that's considered so unusual the Torah says not to forget him. So when we left Egypt, the Torah told us never forget the kindness of the Egyptians. The Egyptians treated us like the Nazis in, a, in many ways. And the Torah says be nice to them. Don't forget their kindness. The Torah says don't despise an Egyptian. We got to the Reed Sea. The Torah says don't fight with them. Why not, why not fight with them? Why not fight with the Egyptians? How come the Torah tells us not to fight with them? God says, I'll fight for you. Why should I fight for you? Because he did a kindness to us. What was the kindness they did to us? They hosted us. We came to Egypt. We needed 70 visas to get in. There were 70 people needed to get in. We were refugees. So the Egypt was nice to us. The Torah says, okay. So don't forget the kindness. And furthermore, we find even by Midian, the country of Midian, the Torah says, a pit that you drank from, don't throw stones in it. Moses was told to take the vengeance, to, to avenge the vengeance of God against the nation of Midian. Because the nation of Midian tried to start, start up with us in a very uncivilized way. The nation of Midian tried to seduce us with their daughters, and the Torah said not to forget them and to take vengeance, and yet the Torah said Moshe can't do it. Moses himself couldn't, couldn't lead the battle. Why couldn't he lead the battle? He couldn't lead the battle because... Moses grew up in, in, in Midian. He grew up in that country. And therefore the Torah says, the pit you drank from, don't throw stones in. And this is what we find over and over again. The Torah says, be kind. People did the kindness to you, don't forget the kindness. The Torah says that man was created in the image of God. And therefore, you don't, you don't uh, forget that. People have, have to have respect for people. And there's one exception though. This nation, Amalek, after we left Egypt, so this nation came from the other end of the desert to attack us. And it didn't really do that much harm in comparison to many, many other nations that attacked us. The pogrom, the attack that Amalek did, we ended up winning. They, they did attack. There were some Jews which were, Torah says that they were impure, etc. And Amalek was able to attack them. But overall, we won. And yet this nation is the one that's called out, don't forget them, hate them, they're bad. What for? What does it mean? If we believe that man was created in God's image, and now we have to honor that, how come this is different? The beautiful teaching of Rabbi Yisrael Lau, former chief rabbi of Israel, it says in the Torah that Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, Yisrael, he says the reason why he decided to go and join the Jewish people before they accepted the Torah was because he heard of two things. What did he hear about? 
you heard about the splitting of the Reed Sea and the war with Amalek. Why was he so impressed? The splitting of the Reed Sea, it's, okay, it's a great miracle. He's impressed by this great miracle. Wow. But why was he so impressed by the war with Amalek? So Shomer Allah said like this. I'm not sure where he was quoting from. This is what he said. He said that the war with Amalek, the, war, the splitting of the Reed Sea, Yisra was wondering, my son-in-law Moses, he's a strong man. I know who he is. How come he's not fighting the Egyptians? How come he's letting God do everything? So he thought maybe that Moses was weak. But then he saw that when it came to Amalek, we did fight a war. We did fight a battle. So Yisra realized that we have a higher level of ethics. Moses didn't fight against the Egyptians because, because that's, it, it, he couldn't fight the Egyptians because a pit you drank from you can't throw stones into. Yeah. However, it came to Amalek, the Torah says to attack them. So on the one hand, the Torah says to always look for the positive, look for the, and the Amalek, the Torah loses all patience, get rid of them, attack them. They'll always, they, they, they were the first nation that attacked you, and they'll be destroyed. What's going on with this nation? Why? Also, you said the rock. Because why? You couldn't hit this, the, 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 the Yamsuf, right? Because Moshe Mo- Mo- was saved by the water, right? Very good. So, and the truth is, with all this hatred, what can we do with this hatred? Let's say you decide you're really angry at Amalek, you're so vengeful, you're so angry. What do you do with that, Yosef? What do you do? Who are you going to kill? Do we don't, there's two reasons you can't do anything with this hatred nowadays. Reason number one is, Talmud says that we don't know who was who nowadays. It's impossible to identify who Amalek is. This King Sancheir came, and he displaced all different nations in different places. And it's impossible now to identify who Amalek really is. You can't know who Amalek is, number one. Number two, if you did identify that your neighbor was from Amalek and you did decide to attack him, what would happen to you? You'd be in L.A. County Jail tomorrow. We don't have the, uh, we don't have the, the, the power to take care of Amalek. And yet the Torah says, remember and be hateful and be vengeful. What for? What do you do with all this hatred? So... We're going to go into two different explanations. One more simple explanation, but before we do, let's just highlight how we see the Torah tells us this nation is different. We see something different than the Torah tells us to treat this nation. Number one, every single day, the Torah says you're supposed to start your day by remembering Amalek. The six things, some people have a custom, ten things. Right, Ezra, how many remember? Ten? Ten zikros. We have six, you have ten. So, the one of the one of the one thing you're supposed to remember every day is how Amalek attacked us. Why remember Amalek attack? Why is that so important? We, we, not, it was three things we do. And then this Shabbat, this Shabbat, there's a cost, there's a mitzvah to read in the Torah a portion, a Torah portion. Remember Amalek again. Remember Amalek, and that's not sufficient. This coming Purim, whenever we mention the name of Haman, who is descendant of the Amalekites. The Torah says, whenever we mention Haman, what do we do? Boo! Boo. We stamp our feet, we yell, we yell, boo, whatever. So, so, hey, Shalom Aleichem Anachem. The Chassam Sofer, interestingly, says, he said like this, he says, the Torah says that mourning for someone who passed away, decreases after seven days, no mourning so much after seven days, decreases after 30 days. And after a year, the, to- the Torah says that a certain level of that Hashem imbued in people this forgetfulness of people that were very much a part of our lives in order that life can go on. Because if you're living with the grief, you're whole, you're, you wouldn't be able to move on. So the Torah put into us this, this sense of 
of forgetting when someone passes away in order that we should move on. So after a year, Talmud says that a person forgets somewhat, the person that passed away. And that's why the Chassam Sofer says that we're supposed to remember Amalek at least once a year, at least once a year, to have a conscience in your mind that shouldn't, 12 months shouldn't pass that you haven't spoken about Amalek. So you remember it on this Shabbat. To fuel, to, to, to fuel the rage against Amalek, the Torah tells us this Shabbat, remember what Amalek did to you. And then on Purim, we actually eradicate Amalek. The Ramah writes, Yosef writes, when are we able to actually fulfill the mitzvah of destroying Amalek? When we boo for Haman, we stamp our feet for Haman, that's fulfilling the mitzvah of erasing their memory of Amalek. So before we, remember, before we erase the memory of Amalek, we remember what Amalek did to us to fuel this anger and this rage. So what's the point of that? What for? Why? Anybody have any, any insight? Okay, so Why is it different in all the nations? The mitzvah, the mitzvah, it's a mitzvah to hear... Pasha Zach. Pasha Zach, this, this, this Shabbos, Shabbos, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. According to many opinions, it's a biblical commandment to hear this Torah portion this week. Rabbi, Some say... This, that, that's the Torah portion. The Torah tells us to remember the nation of Amalek that attacked us. Yeah, this Shabbat. This Shabbat, we listen to it. And <laughs> if someone misses for some reason this Shabbat, so we also read it again on Purim. And you have to make up for it on, on Purim if you missed it on, on Shabbat. Why is it a mitzvah? Is it a mitzvah for anybody to listen to the Torah? Okay, so, so in, in things that God told us to do, the different categories. Some things we do, God said to do, which He didn't explicitly say to do. We just, we just know that God wanted us to do those things. For example, in order to get to Shulder Quran's film, you also have to get dressed and, 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 and drive your car. That's not a mitzvah. Something that God wants you to do, but it's not, part, not officially a mitzvah. Then there are some things which are rabbinical ordinations, like listen to Megillah, something they're rabbinical. And then there is a biblical commandment, directly from the Torah itself, to remember what a Malik did to us. So that's called a mitzvah, a, a biblical commandment. There are rabbinical commandments also, like listen to Megillah. But this is biblical. The listening to the Torah every week, there's some opinions which say that it was instituted by Moses himself, which, by the way, today is, today is Moses' birthday. I know we said it was Moses' birthday last month, but it's a tomato-tomato thing. Some people say the main birthday is this month, some people say the main birthday is last month. Either way, it's a very, very special day. Today. Yeah, Moses' birthday. The crazy thing happened today. This lady, she had this picture of Moses in her, in her house, and she called me up yesterday, and she said, I have to give you this picture of Moses. It doesn't belong in my house. It belongs in a special place like a synagogue. Bring it to your downtown synagogue. And I don't like, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if I should, if I shouldn't. And then she came today, right. and, and this huge picture of Moses, uh, I tell you, today's Moses' birthday. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. No, it's really, it's really was amazing. Was she Persian? Of course. Who else has a moon? Who else has such faith? Because only Persian have the uh, faith of Moses. Yeah. <laughs> and Carpers. Right? I never oh, said that. Okay, so... So, listen, yeah, it's also, it wasn't just, just Persian, it's Picasso, Michelangelo. Right. All right, so, so we have to remember Amalek, we're told to remember Amalek, what for? What are we doing with this hatred? What did Amalek do to us worse than any other nation? The answer is like this. All other nations, you could, you could possibly explain their hatred. There's, it's, it, it, it's something that God made in creation, this hatred. I remember when I was a child, like Yisrael's age, I'm not on your age, I was uh, taking a nap, and I heard the cleaning lady in our house tell her son, um, now I know, the son told her, the mother, now I know why I hate Jews, to clean the restroom. 
Now I know I hate the Jews. Why do you hate Jews? Because they smell bad. So I was like, wow. They o- he always knew he hated Jews, just never knew why. Now he knows why he hates Jews. <laughs> I was like, I was surprised. Anyway, so, 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 but there is something that there is, there is a hatred for Jews. There's such a thing. It's anti-Semitism, no question about it. But, but there is an anti-Semitism with a twist, with a reason, with some kind of explanation. For example, Egypt. Egypt felt, Egypt saw the Jewish people were multiplying incredibly. They saw that our population was growing by leaps and bounds. Every time there was a birth, it wasn't just one birth, there were six babies born and born at once, and we were in Egypt. So the Egyptians were afraid, there's, a, there's this power over here. There are other times in history, like by the Greeks, they saw our culture, our culture was in Congress with their culture, they didn't like our, our culture, all, our culture clashed with their, their culture, so they wanted to get rid of us. There are other times people start up with us because of our country, our land. How dare you own any land? How dare you exist and own any land? Like, like, like it's a very prevalent anti-Semitism today. Same, same good old anti-Semitism, different official reasons. Hatred. It's, it's, it's sourced certainly in sent, the senseless hatred of Amalek, but it could be explained. Amalek, though, the Torah describes his attack on us. There are three reasons that a war can happen. Because of power, because of resources or territory, or because of religion. Those are three, three reasons that wars happen. The Torah says, when did Amalek attack us? He attacked us when we left Egypt. We were on the road. We don't have any territory. We don't, we're, we're not, we're not in, in anyone's country that we're, that we're taking over their country. We're not, we don't have any power. We're just, we're just weak, the Torah says. We were weak and running away. And Amalek really was our, was a rel, is a relative of ours. Amalek is a grandson of Esau, Esau. Our great uncle Esau's uh, grandson is Amalek, our second uh, cousin, and we have a lot to do with Amalek. Amalek and he didn't seem, he doesn't seem, he did anything so terrible to us compared to many, many other nations. But what was unique about him was it was a senseless hatred. It was there, there's no way to explain the hatred. He, we, we we weren't mix, mess, messing up his culture. We weren't a power to be reckoned with. We were just came out of Egypt. We were weak. We had no Torah. Yet. We didn't have a culture. We, didn't, we just came out of Egypt. We didn't have a culture yet. We didn't get the Torah yet. And we were weak. And why is he attacking us? He came from the other end of the desert, all the way from he was, to attack us. Is a senseless hatred. So the Torah wants to tell us something. Sometimes hatred can't be explained. Sometimes you can't rationalize with hatred. What happens is that because you're a thinking, moral person. You think the person you're talking to is also moral and rational. And you try to speak to them in a more rational way. The Torah wants us to know that there's some, there's some kinds of people and, and, and there's a phenomena of a senseless hatred you just can't deal with. There was a, when, when Jacob was going to be buried, the Torah says that Esau protested Jacob's burial. Why did he protest his burial? He said, I deserve this place. This is my, my birthright. What did the Torah say? Remember the story of Cushing? Remember the story about Cushing? His head got cut off. Oh, the Torah says... That all of Jacob's sons were trying to figure out what to do with this guy. Why do you think this is your land? Why do you think this is your burial plot? He said, because I'm the firstborn, the firstborn gets a share. So they said, well, didn't you sell it? I sold it. I don't know if I sold it. Prove that I sold it. So meanwhile, they had to go get the deed of sale. That probably was sent. was employed to get the deed of sale. Because he could run fast. Because he could run fast. Right? And meanwhile, there's one guy named Chushim. Chushim literally means senses. But he really was like a Helen Keller kind of person. He couldn't speak. He couldn't... And and he and he's just like, what's going on over here? Who who's messing up Zadie's funeral? And they're like, Look. he was a, a grandson of Jacob. Yeah, he took us. And he's he he doesn't hear, and yet he recognized what has to happen. This guy is a wicked man. He's messing up grandfather has passed away. He's disturbed, and he went and killed Esau. So in other words, they they were approaching everything in a rational way, but sometimes 
rational thinking isn't the answer. When you're dealing with a terrorist, when you're dealing with an Esau, the only way to deal with it is a fist. And that's what, that's what Hushim recognized, despite his uh, other handicaps, he had vision. This Jew, Yisrael Levin, he's named after my great-grandfather, Yisrael Nevler, he was a very great, he's gifted orator. He used to say, he used to say that he's not afraid of going to heaven. Go to heaven, and the angels will accuse him of this sin, that sin. He said, I'll, I'll explain it. I'll explain it. I'll be a very good defense lawyer. No one will, they won't be able to accuse me. There's one thing I'm afraid of, he said. What if I get a deaf angel? <laughs> if I get a deaf angel, I won't be able to say anything. So, uh, so similarly, there are kinds of evil. The Torah wants to tell us about Amalek. The, that, that it's a senseless hatred. You can't deal with, with it with logic. That's, that's what Torah wants us to remind us. That's one explanation. I want to tell you a deeper explanation. Amalek has something to do with us today, not just, about, not just because of anti-Semitism and, and dealing with anti-Semitism, but also there, there, there is a phenomena of Amalek within ourselves. I mentioned before, Amalek is numerically equivalent, equivalent to doubt. There was a Jew who was plagued by all kinds of doubt. He was doubting his faith in God. He was doubting. And he comes to the Kotzker Rebbe. He comes to the Kotzker Rebbe and says, Kotzker Rebbe, what should I do? I have all these doubts. So Kotzker Rebbe said to him, here's what you need to do. Take out a tractate of Talmud, of Psechta Psachim, page 7b, and learn the Tosfa, learn the commentary on that page. Wow, this is the answer. This is the panacea he's been waiting for. There is an answer to his questions. He opens up the Tosfil, and Tosfil is talking about the piece of chametz that was lost, that was found. What does that do with anything? He goes back to his Rebbe and says, what are you talking about? This has nothing to do with my life. And his Rebbe says to him, what do you mean? Did you learn the Tosfil? He said, sure I did. Let's, say, Come, let me show you. Let's, let's open up the Tosfil. He shows him the Tosfil, and the Rebbe looks at the Tosfil, and he says, so what is Tosfil saying? He was asking a question about the chametz, about this, about that. He's like, okay, so what is Tosfil's answer? doesn't answer. Tosos doesn't have an answer. So what does Tosos do next after he doesn't have an answer? Tosos has a question. Sarachim and Godla, great question, the earth-shattering question. What does Tosos do after he asks this earth-shattering question? What does he do? He goes on to the next passage of the Talmud and he explains it. Ah! He moves on. He moves on. A, the, the questions are okay. But the difference between the doubts of a Amalek and, uh, and the regular question is what's in, what happens to you as a result of your question? You know, if you find a virus in your computer, you get the antivirus, try to remove the virus. It's, it's a virus, it has to be removed. Sometimes it could be kind of thing inside of you which has to be dealt with not in a rational way. You can't, ex- you can't use logic to defend yourself from a moment. There's certain kinds of doubts that aren't based on logic. They're, they're, they're something, it's based on the clip of a moment. So how do you identify which is which? How do you identify a rational question you need to get an answer to. We're, we're, we're people of the book. We, we are, we're called a wise nation in the Torah. Times you have to figure out an answer to your questions. And there's a time that the Torah says, it's Amalek. Because don't think about this. Move on. When do you say move on? When do you say, I, need, I have a question. I need to deal with my questions. How do you, then, how do you know tell which is which? There was a, a scorpion trying to cross a river. So the scorpion saw a swan. He says, Mr. Swan, can you do me a favor? I need to get a ride across the river. So Swan says to Scorpion, why would I do that? I've taken my back, and you're going you're gonna to bite me, and I'm, I'm going to die. Scorpion told the Swan, no, I'm not going to bite you. 
You see, if I bite you, you'll die, and I'll die too. Scorpions can't swim. So Swanson, you know, you're right. That's a good, that's a good, good, good. and they're, they're swimming together. There's scorpions on the, on the back of the swan, and they're halfway across, and the swan feels a bite in its neck. Ay vey. He's telling the scorpion, what are you doing? What are you thinking? If you want to kill me, I understand, you're a scorpion, but you're killing yourself too. He says, what could I do? He says, I'm a scorpion. I'm a scorpion. Uh-huh. Similarly, there are some kinds of things inside of us, a molek kind of things, which are just evil. You can't, you can't explain it. You can't deal with it with a logical way. The only way to deal with it is to identify it. Remember, this is something. There was a, a Nobel Prize winner named Dr. John Nash. He was famous in the, in the early '90s. They made a movie about his life, *A Beautiful Mind*. Yeah. And. Uh, Dr. Jewish. I don't think so. So he uh, he was very gifted. But the other with being very gifted, he dealt with a lot of depression. He was going back and forth with depression. And uh, there was uh, one point that uh, he, towards the end of his life, he got a better grip on dealing with his depression. And the, this movie depicts this, this scene. He's walking with his wife. And his wife sees in his eyes, like, what's happening to him. She sees, she recognizes it. This is, this is depression. And he says, he snaps it to himself, and he says, I got rid of it. I, I, I got rid of it. In other words, he recognized this is not a question. This is, this is a disease. And I have to, he has to get rid of it. Once someone came to Semach Tzedek, the third Rebbe of Chabad, and he told the Rebbe, I have a problem. I have all these doubts. He's what? I have doubts. I have all kinds of doubts about my faith. So the Semach Tzedek says, what's the problem? I have doubts if there's a God, if there's not a God. Semach Tzedek said, okay, so there's no God, so what? He's like, what do you mean? How could I believe like, without believing in God? <laughs> Semach Tzedek said, you're okay. <laughs> you're okay. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, uh, this lady who, uh, she told us to me, Stone I know, she wanted to become a, uh, she was about to leave on a lifelong mission as a Rebetzin, as a woman, a leader in a community, and before she left to this mission, she went to visit the rabbi to get a blessing. She told the rabbi, I have one small problem with this mission. I'm not so sure I believe in God. I'm just going to preach the Torah for the next couple of decades. I'm not so sure I believe in God. It's one, one small problem. You know the rabbi responded to her? Don't over-dramatize. Don't over-dramatize. Don't, 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 don't make it a bigger thing than what it is. You're okay. You're okay. Just you're, you're, You realize you have faith inside of you. Realize who you are. The Torah says... That Amalek comes to attack us at a very specific juncture in our lives. When did Amalek attack us? When we left Egypt. When we left Egypt, Amalek came to attack us. What does Egypt mean? Egypt means limitations. Egypt means you're going away from your boundaries, away from your limitations. You're trying to do something special. You're excited. You're ready to move forward. Then Amalek comes and he puts in the doubt. And what happens when you have a doubt is not necessarily do not, could be you still show up and do what you need to do, but you suck your soul out of you. Dementor. You suck the soul out of you. You suck all your energy out of you. You're still doing what you need to do, but the doubt has, 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 has captured your soul. A friend of mine was about to get married, and he was having all these, as most people getting married, you know, it's a big question in life. He had these questions, and he wasn't sure. And he went to a very wise man asking about all those questions about marriage. And his friend said to him, very wise words, which he lives with. He said to him, never ask if, only ask how. Don't ask a question, if this will work. God will help, it will work. Trust in Hashem, things will work. 
Ask yourself, how can I make it work? That's a healthy question. How can I make it work? What can I do? Ask me if. That's a question of evil. That's a question of Amalek. There was a famous Hasidic Rebbe. His name was Abnachim Chernobyl. He was a very famous Hasidic Rebbe in the time of the first Rebbe of Chabad. And he had Hasidim all over Europe. Very famous, but he was very poor. Because whenever someone gave him any money, he right away distributed it to the poor. He didn't take anything from himself. But the time came, his daughter had to get married. needed the money to make the wedding. And it wasn't just a simple wedding. You know, his wedding was, he had to invite his 20,000 Hasidim to his wedding. And you have to, it's a whole operation. And he needed money. And his gabai was a bit of a chevra man. His, 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 his attendant, his beetle, was a bit intelligent. <coughs> and he saw that this wealthy man is coming to visit the Rebbe. So he had an idea. He says, oh. He tells the, he tells the, um, the Rebbe, he tells the, this, this wealthy man, he says, listen, I want you to give money to the Rebbe's household and tell the Rebbe it's only for his personal use. He's not allowed to use it for anything else. And I want you to go in last tonight. You know, you know you're a rich man. I, would, you know, I want to honor you. But if you go in first, he's going to give away the money. You go in last. <laughs> and don't make to give the Rebbe a donation. Tell it's only for his personal use. Okay. And, the, and the, you'll be going last right after you go in. We'll go, in, we'll go into the evening services. And then, you know, we'll be able to make the wedding. The rabbi has to make a wedding for his daughter. Anyways, the guy goes in. And right after he goes in, this one poor guy got to marry his daughter goes in. Another guy. And came from time for the evening prayers. And the, the beetle, the gabai, he goes into Rebbe's study afterwards to collect the pledges of the day. And there's a few pennies there. And you know, this guy gave 600 rubles. And you're like, what's going on? Where is the 600 ruble? And he's so upset. And even though he's only he's a chassid, he's a follower, he's a believer, this bothered him. He said, the Rebbe, with all due respect, can I ask you a question? Where is the 600 ruble? So the Rebbe said, well, there's a guy who came in, and he needed help. He's making a wedding for his daughter. And he needed 600 ruble to marry off his daughter. So I had to add the album. So the beetle, the gabba, he says to the Rebbe, let me ask you a question. You know, you could have helped a lot of people. Why did you choose just to help him? Why did you choose just to help him? You could have helped a lot of people. Why did only him, of all people? So the Rebbe said, the Nachman Shnabel said, the Rebbe quotes this in the Hayom Yom. He said, at first, I had that thought. At first I was thinking, I could help a lot of people. Why just help him? But then I was thinking, then I was thinking, when did that thought come to me, help a lot of people? The first thought that I had was, I should keep this for myself. My daughter's getting married. Baruch Hashem, Hashem is kind to me. Like my wife, my daughter. Then I was thinking, why should I help myself? I should help other people. And as, as soon as I thought to myself to help other people, then this thought came to me, why does help one guy help a lot of people? So he said, if this was the Yetzir Tov, if, the Yetzir, if it was really the good inclination that came to me and said to me to, uh, to give it to many people, he would have come to me to begin with. Only after I decided to keep the money, only after I decided to give the money away, then he said divide it. If it was a good inclination, he would have come to me in the first and said to divide it. But only after I decided to give it to give it away, then he said, "Oh, divine." And then he concluded with these words: "He said, how do you know when you have any kind of feeling? How do you know if it's coming from the side of holiness or the side of the opposite? Judge it by its results. Where is it going to bring you? What are you going to do as a result? Judge everything by the results." And the bottom line is, sometimes you have to go with your gut. In Hebrew, the words the Torah describes Amalek, Reishit Goyim Amalek, the first nation that attacked us with Amalek, is an acronym. The acronym of Reishit Goyim Amalek is Rega. Reishit Goyim Amalek is Rega. What's Rega mean? Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a moment. Amalek doesn't say don't do it. 
is, whoa, wait a second, wait a second. And when you wait a second, what happens is that you analyze, you analyze, and you, you lose your cool. You lose your, you lose your drive. So who's, who's supposed to wait? The Jews or the Melchizedek? No. A, a Moloch inside of us uh-huh. tells oh. us, wait. wait. Don't go. Don't move. But so you have to realize what it is. Something stopping you to do the next move, that's a Moloch. I have a friend of mine who is, is Rabbi uh, Gordon from, the brother Rabbi Gordon from uh, the Valley, all of Shalom, Rabbi uh, Yossi Gordon from Melbourne, Australia. He was told by the Rabbi the following words. They were told him. They found the foundation of Torah and Mitzvahs in general, and especially according to the way Hasidus explained Torah and Mitzvahs, is to have belief in divine providence. Everything's by divine providence. And every that's the foundation of Torah and Mitzvahs, that everything that happens to you is by divine providence. And automatically, whatever you do has to be without any worries whatsoever. It should be what? Without any worry whatsoever. If you have a doubt what to do, then go ask a rabbi, ask your father. But but if you believe in divine providence, whatever you do has to be without any worries whatsoever. A molik makes us have these worries and back and forth, and and that's that it 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 it, it hampers us moving forward. Questions are good. The issue is when the questions become answers, when the questions become excuses. And because I have this question. Man came to a rabbi with a lot of questions. He said, I have this question, why I got to do the Holocaust, why I got to do this, why I got to do that. And the rabbi said, you don't have any questions, you have answers. Why don't you keep Shabbos? Because of the Holocaust. Why don't you keep Shkosher? Because of the Holocaust. It's not a question, you're using all your, all your questions you're using to defend your lifestyle. That's what Amalek is. Amalek is, is what hinders us. We have to realize something. We come from a rich history of very, very wonderful people. The Alter Rebbe believed Rashi believed. Avram Avinu believed. We come from believers, children of believers. You think you're a question? You think that you're the first guy who has an unusual question that one ever had? Listen to the voice of your neshama. Listen to the voice of your soul. You're a believer. That's who you are. That's who you're. That's who you're born with it. Don't 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 kill yourself with your analyzations and your rationalizations and your questions. Questions are good. It was a there was a hippie who came to visit the rabbi. He had brought the rabbi a, a page of, thir- of of thirty questions he had. He had thirty questions he asked someone to ask the rabbi. <laughs> the Rebbe said to him, listen, you came, the Rebbe, you could see at night many, many people for many, many hours, and it took a long time to get, to get an, an a audience of the Rebbe. The Rebbe said to him, listen, you're the first guy in line. A lot of people are waiting. You have 30 questions. If I spend time now with you answering all your questions, then there won't be time for anybody else. So, you know, they'll, take a, they'll have to wait much, much longer. Let's do this. Set up another appointment in a month or two. And then you'll bring your questions, and, we'll, and you'll come to the last guy in the line, who have all the time in the world to answer your questions. Great idea. Meanwhile, the Rebbe said, go to yeshiva and study. He went to yeshiva. After a month of being in yeshiva, he comes back to the Rebbe, and, there was, and he came to the Rebbe with a different attitude. I mean, the hippies were great. They, did a, they accomplished a lot of things. They threw away the idols of, of, other, of the others, and some of them were able to... We look, look deeper in their own souls. Anyway, so, so he comes to the, he was very excited about, about being in the yeshiva, and he came there with, with you know, discussing how his new, his new surroundings in yeshiva, and he likes it. The Rebbe said, then what about your questions? What about your paper? It doesn't interest me anymore, he told the Rebbe. It doesn't interest me. It, doesn't interest me. it, it wasn't, it wasn't, sometimes the, the best answer to, to a doubt is just, na seven ishma. I shared this woman of Torah yesterday, I'm sure Sinai remembers the story, Joseph, I'm not sure. The story is like this. There was a boy, Achanun Cohen. You know the story? No. Achanun Cohen's in school. And he's learning Genesis. Reishit. 
And they got up to the verse, God created heaven and earth, the first verse. And he raises his hand, who created God? God created heaven and earth, who created God? So the teacher gets upset at him. He says, how dare you ask such a question? It's a heretical question. And he screams and the kid's embarrassed. He goes home to his mother. His mom has asked a question. The teacher freaked spaz on me. So the mother says to her child, let's write a letter to the Rebbe. Let's ask the Rebbe your question. Is that a real story? Real story. Yeah. He writes to the Rebbe, dear Rebbe, what do I do? I want to answer my question. My teacher yelled at me, what's the answer? Who created God? Rebbe responded to the child in paraphrasing. He said to him, I got your letter. It's a, it, you're with your request to know more about God. And it's understood that such a desire is praiseworthy. It's praiseworthy. It's a good thing. Because King David told the son Solomon, you should know the God of your father. So one can know more about God, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But the Rebbe said, right now, it's important thing for you to do is to focus on your, the mitzvah you're doing and the Torah you're learning. And the time will come, you'll speak to your teacher, you'll speak to the rabbi in your community, and you'll, and you'll, and you'll get an answer to your question. But now focus on what you need to do. And then they're busy like this. When God gave us the Torah, what do we say? We will do, and then we'll understand. So Rebbe said, that's how Hashem made us. That, that, that wasn't words I've used, but basically that, that's what I understand. Hashem made us that way. That we, when we perform God's commandments themselves, just by showing up, it brings understanding. By doing God's commandments itself, it brings understanding. Like there was, there was a Jew who asked the previous Rabbi Rebbe about many questions, the previous responded to him that if you try to analyze how, come, how nutrition helps your body, and why the food you're eating helps you, while on an empty stomach, eventually you wouldn't, your, your mind wouldn't be able to, to work if you're not eating. You need to eat in order for your mind to work to be able to understand how the food feeds your body. If you're not going to eat well, un- until you figure out how the food gives you nutrition, similarly, in order the best, the best medicine, the best, the best way to understand the Torah is by observing the Torah. But that's when the question is a good question. Amalek's questions aren't good questions. Amalek doesn't have questions. He has answers. He has doubts. He, he attacks us when we're excited, when we're passionate, when we want to move forward. Then Amalek comes and he, and he tries to bring us down. You see what's going on? The tanks. What does a tank have to do? Tank, tank commander tells a tank, tells a guy run, driving a tank, if you know the best place to go, go. If you don't know the best place to go, go anywhere. Just don't stay in one place. So, a molik is what stops us from moving forward. You want to go out of Egypt, you want to do a new mitzvah, you're excited. A molik puts a doubt in your head and says, he said in last week's Torah portion, we read the Jewish people bringing donations to build a tabernacle. He said, amazing thing, he said, I think I mentioned this. He said that the Torah says they were inspired and they gave. What's the big deal they were inspired and they gave? Because usually the person delays giving after they're inspired, they slow, they give less because they had one idea at first and they ah. But if he's right away inspired, you have to move forward. That's what Amalek tries. Amalek says, Rega, stop, think, analyze. Don't stop. It's a voice of Amalek. There are questions. Questions have to be dealt with. But recognize the difference between the questions. A question is something you could write on a paper and put down and go to sleep. A doubt is something that stays, keeps you up at night. You, you're bothered by it. You can't, you, that's, that's, that's not healthy. That, you, that, huh? That would be considered fear. fear right. Fear, anxiety. Sorry, I missed it. A question is something you're able to write on a paper and put down. And, okay, I'll deal with this. I have a question. A doubt is something that keeps you up at night. 
can't fall asleep. You're bothered by something. Identify. This is Amalek. I'm not listening to this. The Torah is telling us by, by remembering Amalek and hating Amalek, the Torah is telling us one thing. Don't live in this wishy-washy way. They're saying, realize where this is coming from and remember it and live with your conviction of your neshama. Realize who you are. And that's what I wanted to share tonight. And, and, any questions, comments, criticism, tomatoes, cucumbers? Chaim, chaim, rach.